Hello and welcome to the Seek Learning Podcast. I'm Casey Paul Griffiths, a professor of church history and doctrine at Brigham Young University. I'm also president of the BYU Latter-day Saint Educator Society. Seek Learning is designed to bring you the best in educational research to assist teachers in professional home and church settings. And if you like what you hear in this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, or leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of the podcast, one of the reasons why we created Seek Learning and work so hard to keep it going is to connect educators who work at universities with those who work in public schools and other settings. There's a lot of talk in education about the ivory tower and the suggestion that professors at universities can become so enamored with their research that they forget real-world concerns. This is a real concern for teachers at a university, but the reality is that many professors at universities started out in public education and have a deep love for those who labor tirelessly in elementary and secondary school classrooms. I spent 11 years as a seminary teacher at different high schools throughout Utah. I worked with 10th through 12th graders all that time, and I loved what I did. As much as I love my university job, there are days when I long for all the fun I had and all the great people I worked with in secondary education. But I'm also grateful for all that I've learned at the university. The question then is, how do we connect the work done at universities to make a difference in secondary and elementary education? And how can universities connect with public schools to provide the best new teachers to keep those schools flourishing? So how can universities help public schools access the latest techniques and research? And how can public schools help universities stay grounded and connected to the real world? That's the topic of today's Seek Learning. In the lives of Latter-day Saints, education is central to their religion and its practice. For members of the church, education is not merely a good idea, it's a commandment. At the David O. McKay School of Education at Brigham Young University, scholars carry out different studies every year in the field of education. In this podcast, we speak with these scholars to find out what they discovered about education and what does it mean for Latter-day Saints. How can these findings be applied in home and gospel settings? Finally, what inspired them to become an educator, and how has it affected their lives? Education is the difference between wishing you could help other people and being able to help them. This is the Seek Learning Podcast, presented by the BYU Latter-day Saint Educator Society. Our guest today, Gary C. Strand, grew up and was raised in Orem, Utah. After graduating from Oron High, Gary served a mission in Argentina and returned to BYU afterwards. In 1976, he graduated with a bachelor's in elementary education. In 1979, he received a master's in education from BYU and then a doctorate from the University of Utah in 1992. His wife, Denise, also graduated from Oron High and they're the parents of five boys. Before he came to BYU, Gary served as Assistant Superintendent of Educational Services and Schools for the Alpine School District. His interests are drawn to processes that enhance student learning and teaching, and he's the head of the Public Schools Outreach Program sponsored by the McKay School. Gary recently sat down with Betsy Ecton from our team to talk about his research, the Public Schools Outreach Program, and how we can use education to improve the partnership between universities and public schools. So glad to be here with you today, Gary. Um, Many of our listeners may be unfamiliar with the BYU Public School Partnership. Can you describe to us the purpose of the partnership and what the collaborative relationships look like? 
I would be very thrilled to do so. The BYU Public School Partnership was established in 1984 under the direction of Dr. John Goodlad. The uh, creation of the partnership under Dr. Goodlad was grounded in the thinking that for schools to get better and for schools to be good, they had to have good teachers. And to prepare good teachers, universities needed access to public schools. Uh, similar to doctors preparing to be good doctors need access to hospitals. And in order for schools to improve and get better also, they needed opportunities to understand research and fresh ideas. It includes what we call a tripartite, meaning there are three parts to the, the partnership. The first part, of course, is the McKay School of Education and preparing teachers in elementary and also special education in early childhood. The second leg of the tripartite is the Colleges of Arts and Sciences. Because the McKay School of Education does not prepare secondary teachers, that's done through their colleges of specialty. And so we include the arts and sciences colleges as part of the partnership. And then, of course, the third part would be the five school districts. And so the tripartite forms a cohesive group of people that try to improve uh, public education, but at the same time improve the preparation of teachers. Our, our real interest and mission is to try and help everyone succeed at learning and becoming better at what they do. Quite a partnership with quite a mission. Yeah, it's really a pleasure to be involved with it. In fact, in the past decade, we've been awarded the exemplary partnership in the United States through the National Association of Professional Development Schools. We received the award in 2012, and we received it again last year in 2020. So there is a national recognition of the breadth and the depth and quality of the partnership that we have here. One of the things that sets the partnership apart from the other partnerships that you've mentioned across the nation include the five commitments to education there. Can you describe to us um, more about, tell us more about the five commitments, what they are, and how do they guide the work of the partnership? Uh, I'd be happy to talk about that. The roots, the basic fundamental principles behind the five commitments came from Dr. Goodlad's writing. He wrote uh, about the moral dimensions of education and the moral dimensions of teaching and said there are some basic principles that should drive the profession of education. One of the things that's really, really powerful is to think that the adult managing students has a moral obligation to be exemplary, and they make judgments throughout a school day. You know, Betsy, you've been a teacher, and you know that anything from how to discipline a child to what is the appropriate assignment to give well, it goes on and on. And so a teacher's day is filled with judgments. And many of those judgments have as a basis a moral implication. So what we prefer to talk about at the partnership is civic preparation and engagement, as an example. We believe that citizens aren't born being citizens, that they're developed and nurtured through process of education. 
And so one of our basic principles is that that notion that we prepare young people to become the future citizens in our community, state, nation. And they learn those principles about what it's like to be in a public or part of a public beginning in kindergarten when they enter and they realize that there are other people that may want something that they want or they learn how to share or how to respect each other or how to take responsibility for their own behavior. So when you think of the role of schools that that plays in preparing the future citizens, uh, that's a big part of the the commitments that we have. Uh, The second commitment that we celebrate is equitable access to academic knowledge and achievement. And access is a huge piece of a moral dimension. When you think about what that means in terms of special education, for example, uh, all means all. And we'll, in the public schools, take any student with any disability and we'll find a way to teach, educate that child. It also clearly reflects some important thinking in terms of working with minority students and uh, people from poverty, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the next one is a engaged learning through nurturing pedagogy. And think of the challenge there in terms of engaged learning to say that's a responsibility a teacher carries. The days of stand and lecture are long gone, and now it's a responsibility a teacher has to say, how do I engage the students so that they are active and really engaged in their own learning that means something to them? Part of that is tied to the way a teacher nurtures the student in the classroom. The next commitment that we talk about is stewardship of the schools and community, and that's something as professionals we all carry a responsibility to take care of the notion of public schooling, that it does matter to this nation. Over 90% of all the students in America are educated in public schools. So we need them to be good, and we need them to be wholesome and strong places. As we anticipate, what does that look like? What does a school look like that's really, really good? Professionals are consistently learning how to get better at what they do. They don't give up on any students. They capitalize on data to manage the learning prospects for students. And so that whole notion of stewardship is a personal commitment to say as a professional, I'm going to do the very best I can, and I'm never going to quit learning and growing in my position. And then our final commitment is called simultaneous renewal. And simultaneous renewal is really centered in the notion of continuous improvement. And there are two ways to think about that. One is personal that I will continue to get better. It's really connected in a lot of ways to stewardship. But there's an organizational piece to it that's really important. And so simultaneous renewal indicates that we want to get better at the university in preparing teachers. How do we get better at doing that? And how do we get better at actually doing the teaching in the schools? So between the university and the school districts, we're trying to elevate each other, and that's the notion of simultaneous renewal. The five commitments clearly align well with the mission of BYU. 
and the partnership there. In what ways do you see the five commitments relating to the principles of the restored gospel that each of us as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are striving to live? Well, that's a really great question, Betsy, because one of the things that you have to think about is public schools are secular in nature. They can't endorse a religion. They have to be really thoughtful about how they approach uh, morals and moral principles. And so what we see in the five commitments are principles that we can ground ourselves in and share a language between a secular institution and a faith-based institution that still make a huge difference in the lives of the individual students and the collective group. I think the power of the five commitments is literally that they are correct principles. And when you get correct principles, when you have a teacher who understands nurturing pedagogy and nurtures students with high expectations and still helps them become engaged in their learning, what you've got then is something that really changes the trajectory of a student. And of course, the value the church places on learning and education and accomplishing all that we can, all that we can become. Education is really one of the great doors that you walk through to becoming uh, and reaching your capacity as an individual and as a person. Obviously, the partnership between BYU and schools benefits public educators, but how do we expand our reach beyond those two areas? What are the applications of these principles in home and church settings? Let's rejoin Betsy and Gary's conversation to know how we can better broaden our influence. We all know that there are a lot of people who are called to teach in the church through Sunday school or Relief Society, priesthood, etc. And I can tell you from personal experience, these principles play a big part in the way I think about preparing lessons. How do I engage students? Uh, How do I nurture a conversation and nurture individuals within the class? How do I see the good? Those are all elements that you can taken and put into a church context. I can see how that would totally be applicable in our church callings. As you talk about it, teaching is a calling for so many as they feel and sense that, not only in the public school setting, but of course, as we refer to them as callings in the church there. Um, If I'm striving to enact these principles in my calling in a church congregation, a ward congregation there, or in um, even in my home study with Come Follow Me, is there a way that you see this um, being enacted specifically by a person who may not be a full-time teacher, but really able to do that at home? Well, I don't know that anyone nurtures children better than their parents. For most of us, we try to do things that are connected to the Spirit, and as we listen to the Spirit, we respond. And I've come to believe that that helps us to become quality individuals and quality uh, teachers. I've seen many examples of that in my career over decades. And I, I do believe that that's just uh, part of gift a gift that maybe Heavenly Father would give to to each of us, how do we magnify our presence in the community, with our families, et cetera, so that we make, make 
good on all the capacity we have to help others and to help people grow, whether that's our own children or our next-door neighbor or people that uh, we don't even know but we treat differently in a store or uh, in any context. It's how we act, how we become as a person. Correct principles bless us in every aspect, don't they? Well, tell us, do you have any stories you might share with us that exemplify the impact of the five commitments in the lives of educators or their students? Well, I can tell you a personal story. I was uh, the assistant superintendent in Alpine School District over schools, and we had a situation where uh, in one of our elementary schools, there was a pretty challenging um, environment. There were really some difficult students. There were about 90% of the students on free and reduced lunch. And it was, a, it was a place that was getting hard to teach. And in one year, we had 14 teachers resign from the school and leave the school. And we had an opportunity to have a discussion, and we took the principal of equitable access to academic knowledge and achievement and put it on the table and says, what does that look like for this school? Can we continue to put 14 brand new teachers every year in a school and have some continuity that will bless the lives of these children? And the answer was clearly no. So then the question became, okay, if we want equitable access, what do we have to do to get people to go there and to stay there and nurture the students? And we were able to propose a plan to the school board to pay teachers a higher wage and have smaller classes in that particular school. Uh, some people would say, well, that wasn't equitable. We say that was totally equitable. We were able to get that through the school board. They called it the uh, enhanced instructional model. We advertised the small class sizes and the higher wage, and we had teachers that flocked into the school and stayed, and consequently we saw dramatic changes in the school, and we saw dramatic improvement in the student outcomes. So sometimes you have to think about those principles. What does that mean if we just let something go on that has a problem? Uh, that's not taking the stewardship. How do we renew a school? What was renewal looking like in that particular school? Anyway, that's a good example at a personal level of how those moral dimensions and the five commitments have impacted me personally as a public school educator. How exciting to have the opportunity to really see that happen in the lives of educators and their students they serve. That's an amazing thing to be able to participate in. Love that. In the third part of our episode, we always like to get a little personal. We wanted to talk with Gary about his journey from public education to working at the university, how education has informed and even strengthened his faith, and how he uses education as a way to get closer to God. Well, you've told us a little bit, mentioning that you were a former assistant superintendent. Tell us a little bit about your educational background and what led you to seek education. Well, I am a product of Alpine School District and went through... Uh my elementary, junior high, and high school experience in Orem. And uh, I made a decision that I was going to be rich, and so I decided to major in economics so that I could manage my money. I was sitting in an economics class 
And I can remember the day the lecture was on the marginal propensity to consume. And I thought, this is not me. <laughs> and I got through with the class, and I thought, I really, really want to be a teacher, but I'm going to be poor. Anyway, I walked over and talked to the Educational Advisement Center, and first thing I know, I'm changing my major, telemetry education. And of course, uh, I never looked back. That was part of my love. I found where my heart belonged. So I was an elementary teacher in fourth grade and sixth grade. I was an elementary principal and then became the assistant superintendent of schools and educational services for Alpine School District. That's where I retired and came to BYU to work as the director of the Center for the Improvement of Teacher Education and Schooling, or SITES as we call it and the executive director of the BYU Public School Partnership. That's wonderful. I think each teacher has such a unique journey, and I'd love to hear about yours. It's fun to understand that that calling comes to each person, and, and I love to understand how, how that comes about in each life. Well, tell us why you feel, then, education is important in helping you to build your faith in your relationship with the Lord. What have you seen of that in your own life, and your own experience? Well, isn't it interesting that one of the highest priorities the church has is education? They know that an educated population is more likely to study the scriptures and to think deeply about the meaning of the scriptures and to be engaged in going to church and learning with each other and sharing, and more likely to be engaged in a community. So I think all of that is captured through a, an education. And the advantages the church has created for so many people, I, I'll never forget when President Hinckley announced the Perpetual Education Fund. I, If I wasn't one of the first donors, I would be surprised because the next Sunday, man, that was on my donation list. I want to donate to that. I want to help people gain an education. So that was a priority for the brethren <clears throat> to make sure that people across the world had access to education because of the benefits. It elevates, it raises the entire community. It's like the tide that lifts all ships. And so the Pathways program is a classic example on what's happening there. The fact that the church sponsors Brigham Young University, BYU-Hawaii, and BYU-Idaho, uh, that's all evidence of the extra extraordinary commitment they have for learning and to continue to grow as part of our mortal experience. So I, I just see such a parallel with gospel plan and the gospel teachings and being an educator and how important that is. Day in and day out, there are teachers who set the alarm, get up and go do it and go make a difference in the lives of kids. And then they get home and they fix dinner or eat and they start correcting papers and they do whatever they have to do to help bless the lives of the people they teach. What a tribute to people who go into education for the right reason. Uh, there are people who believe it's not well-paid, but, you know, the rewards are extraordinary. Uh, tremendous rewards come by being an educator. A passion that I see in you and in other educators 
is inspiring. And I really appreciate your willingness to come today and to share that with us, to help us understand better the work of the BYU Public School Partnership and the aspects of the five commitments and how they work within the partnership. Thank you so very much, Gary. My pleasure. Thanks, Betsy. Our thanks to Gary Seastrand and Betsy Ecton for this wonderful interview. The Seek Learning Podcast is produced by the BYU Latter-day Saint Educator Society in cooperation with the McKay School of Education. I'm Casey Paul Griffiths, and I serve along with Michael Leonard as the executive producers of the podcast. We also receive assistance from Joe Backman, David Boren, Betsy Ecton, Lisa Leonard, and Heather Safarovich. Editing and production for our episode is carried out by our wonderful students at the McKay School with our theme and music composed by Alistair Schwer. Thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, help us grow the podcast by subscribing or writing a review wherever you receive your podcasts or give the Society a like or a comment on Facebook or Instagram. Latter-day Saint Educator Society also holds an annual conference every June to provide inspiration and information for those of you out there teaching in the field. We hope you'll join us this June. You can find more information on our webpage or just Google Seek Learning Podcast. Until next time, this has been Seek Learning.